0: This is Bloomberg Business of Sports. We're in a situation that
1: we haven't dealt with in modern times.
2: The pandemic here has really accelerated the investments
1: that we've been advocating for for years. From a macro standpoint, I think our sport industry is really forced to look at the business a little bit differently.
3: In-depth conversations with the leaders in the sports industry. Esports is a good aberration. We're still moving forward. we part
1: of something much bigger than the sport right now. The health and safety of our stakeholders is what's most important. Every moment, I think We're all from a business perspective thinking about the impact that the virus is having across the
0: country. Bloomberg, business of sports.
2: From Bloomberg Radio. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Mike Lynch. And over the next hour, we're going to explore the big money issues in the world of sports, talk to some of the biggest players in the industry. Later on in the show, we're going to talk with Ben Sherwood, longtime ABC executive, now the CEO of Mojo. It's a new app. Lots to talk to him about in the world of technology, media, and sports. But first, Lynchy, we got to talk about the big story of the week. That, of course, the car accident involving Tiger Woods. He is recuperating, recovering uh, in a hospital as we tape this on Thursday morning. Uh, We, of course, are thinking a lot about his health and well-being. But we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the industry, the economy of Tiger Woods and golf. And I think as we think about it, you know, I certainly think back to you know the tiger that we've seen just in the last couple years bouncing back again and again.
0: Many doubted we'd ever see it, but here it is.
3: The return to glory. Tiger, 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 tiger. I never thought we'd see anything that could rival the hug with his father in 1997, but we just did. That will be the
2: greatest scene in golf forever so let's get into the business of tiger with jerry smith he writes for bloomberg he had a great piece this week that really distills it down he joins us on the phone jerry great to have you with us so talk to us about the tiger effect on golf because obviously the first concern is with his health and safety but if you are in any business around golf you know the magnitude that this guy has on the game
1: yeah, there's really only a small handful of athletes in sports who are as big of um, you know a ratings magnet as Tiger Woods. And if you're a TV network, you're CBS, NBC, the Golf Channel. Um, you know, this it, is obviously very disappointing. I think you know Tiger hasn't been the player that he was in his prime, but certainly all the TV networks are always hoping every time he does play that he can you know, rekindle the magic and, and get up on the leaderboard because we've seen time and time again that the ratings when Tiger is in the lead or near the lead are are enormously higher than they would be if he's not. So, you know, this is, uh, you know, if this is the end of his career or certainly, you know, if this takes a couple of years for him to to recover from these injuries, you know, this is uh, a setback for the TV networks.
0: Hey, Jerry, it's Mike Lynch up in Boston. If he never plays a round of competitive golf again, will he still be, and how much of a remarkable commodity will he be?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, if you think about, um, I mean, just in golf, um, you know, Jack Nicklaus, Arnold Palmer, um, you know, they still had endorsements. Um, long after they're they're playing careers. And then in the broader world of sports, I mean, you could look at someone like a Joe Namath or a George Foreman who are still endorsing products and, and making a lot of money doing it, um, you know, long after um, their competitive days. Um, you know, for Tiger, um, you know, it obviously the brands that, you know are his sponsors, Nike, which is stuck with him through all of the controversies over the last decade. Um, TaylorMade makes his golf clubs, Bridgestone makes his golf balls it's It's disappointing obviously for them because if he's not playing and he's not in the league, you don't get the um, the effect of of seeing all that on TV, seeing him swinging the Taylormade club or, or wearing the the red Sunday Nike shirt with the swoosh on it um you know there's uh, a lot of value in in tiger being in the lead all the people watching him on tv and having your brand front and center uh, attached to him um but you know i mean he is certainly depending on what he does in his post career there could be opportunities for these brands to to still benefit from being uh connected to tiger Um, you know, maybe he becomes a TV golf analyst and he still wears, uh, Nike clothing. Um, you know, maybe there is a way that a brand could attach itself to his recovery. Um, you know, maybe Nike could, um, you know, still sponsor him and, and we'd follow the story of him trying to rehab from recovering from this crash. Um, you know, one expert pointed out to me that he has a son who's very young and is a golfing prodigy, um, in in his own right. And, you know, there could be a potential, uh, for a brand to sort of, uh, attach itself to the story of tiger mentoring his young son, um, who is uh, following in his footsteps. So, you know, the brands that are are still sponsoring tiger, uh, I don't think anybody's expecting that they're going to drop him anytime soon. Um. You know, the only catch would be if there was some sort of uh, scandal attached to this, uh, if he were, um, you know, potentially under the influence. But uh, the, the early reports from the crash suggest that that's not the case. So, you know, the um, it really is uh, an interesting time, and I think the brands that have stuck with him through all these years are are going to continue to do so, and, and could still benefit from him uh, even if he's not competing anymore.
2: Well, and guys, I also think about this notion of, you know, even beyond endorsements, when we look at the post-playing careers of... A number of professional athletes, even going beyond being a pitch man or or a pitch woman, you know, being an investor. And, you know, we're going to hear in a little bit from Alex Rodriguez, and, and he's got a wide ranging portfolio of investments. You think about the late Kobe Bryant, you know, starting an investment bank, an investment firm, and, you know, all of the things that he was doing. You have to think, Tiger, as savvy as he is about his own businesses, as smart as he is, I mean, the dude went to Stanford, uh, you know, he has a long life uh, ahead of him in, in the public world. And there are, and, and you said it, Jerry, there there are very few athletes who have had the, the level of influence on a game and candidly, the culture as Tiger has.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely right. Uh, I mean, he's one of the most famous athletes in the world and you know one of the biggest celebrities in the world and he could certainly make a lot of money um as a pitch man for products for for years to come um you know he can make money from speaking engagements um you know he's already branched into golf architecture uh-huh. um you know it, it seems as though he's already started to um become interested in other things besides just competing in tournaments and you know so there's certainly a lot of things and you're right i mean he's a very savvy guy and you know it does seem like if this is the end of his playing career uh i don't think it's going to be uh i don't think he's just going to disappear and we're not going to see him again
0: Jerry, do you think that would scratch his itch, though, as opposed to returning to competitive golf? I mean, that's got to be priority number
1: one, to give it a shot, right? Well, I think Tiger said many times that he doesn't want to just show up and play in a golf tournament. He only wants to participate if he thinks he can win. And I think a lot will depend on how he recovers from the injuries from this crash. Um, But if he doesn't think that, he can get to the level that he once was where he was competing and winning golf tournaments. I don't think he is going to um, just show up. Um, you know, certainly, I think he's 45 years old. I mean, he's a few years away from the senior tour. Um, you know, Phil Mickelson is starting to play on the senior tour now. So um, maybe he'll play a couple of senior tour tournaments. But I mean, he's an extremely competitive person. But I also think he is a very proud person and is not going to um rejoin the tour if he doesn't think that he can win.
2: It's interesting too and I think both of you have have made this observation. Jerry you did in your piece and Lynch you and I have been talking about it throughout the course of the week. No one comes close in the current era of golf to and you mentioned it earlier Jerry you know this notion of the ratings go much higher when tiger is involved no one has been able to replicate the storyline of tiger across professional golf I, I mean not even fractionally
1: yeah i mean i think tiger was unique in a lot of ways i mean he absolutely dominated the game there was no one really who even was a viable um number two. Um, and he also had a compelling personal story. I mean, yeah. he was, um, you know, uh, a mixed race golfer at a time when the sport, uh, was overwhelmingly white. It, it really still is. Um, so there, there aren't uh, a lot of golfers with his personal story, Um, you know, there's a lot of young players on the tour now that I think the TV networks and the the PGA tour are trying to promote and highlight. I mean, I think about Brooks Koepka, Bryson DeChambeau, Justin Thomas, Um, you know, none of them have um, really captured uh, people's attention in in the same way. And I, I just think that you know, Tiger Woods was just such a unique athlete and he really, I mean, he changed the game of golf in so many ways, brought so many people into the sport starting with his master's win in 97. Um, And I think it's going to be very unlikely that the sport will ever see anyone like him again. Uh, But uh, you know, I think that the TV networks have started and the PGA tour have, have really started to move on to some of the other players. I mean, Tiger, he wasn't playing a lot lately. Uh, he's ha- obviously had a lot of back injuries, and when he has played, his you know performance has been pretty spotty. I mean, he won the 2019 Masters, but um, you know he hasn't been the reliable uh, presence on the leaderboard that he was um, you know in the in the 2000s. And I think the game has started to move on, but I think everyone still held out hope that. He could, you know, find his game again and, and win some more tournaments. And obviously the TV networks would benefit. Uh, the brands that uh, still sponsor him would benefit from that. And, and now after this car crash, I think, um, you know, a lot of that is, is really thrown in question.
0: Jerry, if he never plays golf again, who's the winner here? Is it the Discovery Channel with this new deal he has uh, sort of giving mm-hmm. instructional videos and showing up with celebrities and, you know, helping them hone their game?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, that was something that he he signed a deal with Discovery where he is going to be part of their streaming service, uh, Golf TV. Um, Discovery also bought Golf Digest where Tiger provides exclusive, um, you know, instruction for the magazine. Um, You know, even if he doesn't play tournament golf again, uh, you know, it's not hard to imagine him still giving lessons and, and people still wanting to receive lessons from the greatest golfer ever so um you know his if his playing days are over i think that there are still ways that um you know media companies can can benefit from having him on uh whether he's giving lessons or if he's doing um you know on course analysis uh you know I, i think that tiger will still be part of the game in some way
2: Absolutely. All right. Jerry Smith, great reporting, as always, from the Bloomberg News team. That's Jerry Smith of Bloomberg. Let's turn to an interview from earlier this week with A-Rod. That's right. Alex Rodriguez. He's the CEO of a new company called Slam Corp. The chairman of that company is Himanshu Galati. They joined our colleague Emily Chang because they are joining the SPAC revolution. That's right. If you've been paying attention to Bloomberg, you know all about special purpose acquisition companies. Well, A-Rod, of course, the former Yankee, he said that the SPAC world is custom made for them because it levels the, wait for it, playing field when it comes to raising money. Check it out.
4: The SPAC world is custom made for us because uh, we have deal flow coming out of our ears. The barrier to entry has been capital. And now, With a SPAC, we level out the playing field and we can really have a big time competitive advantage and go out and Hamanchu and I through SLAM bring a lot of value to founders and companies.
5: Interesting. Hamanchu, what kind of companies do you want to buy? What kind of deals do you want to do and with whom?
6: Uh, sure. I'd actually love to answer, uh, you know, add on to what Alex said because I think it's exactly right. Um, when we think about SPACs, it's actually almost a, a democratic way for uh, the, the retail and then certain institutions to get uh, into uh, an IPO before it happens. When you think about IPOs in general, they're, they're given usually to a small subset or a subset of large institutional investors. So there's a lot of people who, and a lot of uh, retail and institutions that don't get to participate. And for us, we think this is you know, a great way for, for the retail community and then others to, to get in there early. And they also have a put at $10. So it, it, to us, we think it's a really interesting product and I think one that's here to stay
5: yeah well that was my next question um you know when you talk yeah. about deal flow alex you just mentioned there are so many deals coming your way what kind of deals are you looking for what is going to be a- an attractive target for this particular vehicle
4: yeah look we look at about a thousand deals per year about three or four hundred of those uh, we're the huntees they're coming after us uh they want to do business with us look we like sports media technology Uh, Anything we do is going to have a tech, you know, should be the backbone of the company. And it's companies where we can get involved, you know, tell the story, get involved with the founders. Hamantra or I, or maybe both, will sit on the board and be very involved.
5: So uh, whose idea then was it to do a SPAC, Alex? Did the bankers approach you or, or vice versa?
4: I think Hamantra and I both wanted to do it. And, you know, I was a little bit on the fence. I would only do it with someone who was best in class from an institutional point of view. Himanshu and Antara uh, returned over 59% to their investors this year. They're backed by Blackstone. So you have the perfect storm between what I bring, social media, what I bring with my following, awareness. And then, you know, Himanshu, one of the great investors in our game today. Uh, I thought one plus one, we were ready to do not only a SPAC, but to build a great franchise.
5: Now, Himanshu, Antara Capital has had quite a, a remarkable year. That said, SPACs, you know, they have been controversial. I was looking at this study out mm-hmm. of Stanford, looking at the 2019-2020 cohorts of SPACs, which found that returns were up 32% for the sponsors, but down 35% for post-merger investors. Is this really a good deal mm-hmm. for the public?
6: Um, so that's a really good question. Um, when, when you look at SPACs, it's like investing in any other asset class. There's gonna be winners, there's gonna be good losers, there's gonna be good SPACs, there's gonna be bad SPACs. Um, you know, thinking about hedge funds, mutual funds, all the different institutions, some fare better than others. And I think what you need to be able to do, th- there are a lot of SPACs out there, and this is why I think our SPAC is uh, is so special. You need to be able to pick and believe in both the management team, um, their ability to source a deal, and have an alignment of interest. And I think we, as a uh, Alex and I, um, and Slay Corp, uh, we have all those uh, ingredients to be very successful, where we believe our spec will come up with a great deal. Um, to, to be fair, when you look at those stats, I can you know we, we were invested in certain pipes uh, last year. A good example is uh, quantumscape. Uh, quantumscape was the best performing spec of the year. Uh, it was up, uh, I believe, over 700% and has actually maintained most of those gains uh, this year as well. So I, I, I don't think every—not all specs are created equal, and not all sponsors and management teams are create equal, created equal. But I think what uh, Alex and I bring is a best-in-class sponsor and management team to, uh, to the SPAC uh, world or uh, the spec area, and I, I do believe we're going to be very successful. So that is
2: Alex Rodriguez, A-Rod, the CEO of Slam Corp, along with the chairman of that company, Hamanshu Galati. They joined Emily Chang, our colleague over on Bloomberg Technology, to talk about that SPAC. Everybody's got a SPAC these days, including, uh, Lynchy. I'm sure you followed this story a little bit. There was almost a SPAC involving Billy Bean, or there is a SPAC involving Billy Bean. They almost had a deal to buy your Boston Red Sox.
0: Yeah, that was a big thing that uh, we tried to get a hold of some of the Red Sox people earlier this year. And you can always tell when there's something going on because <laughs> they don't want to talk. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, and, and many of the people in the Red Sox are not shy of microphones and cameras. But uh, when this subject came up, they were in the bunker.
2: Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, it sounds like A-Rod and company, they're not, they're not going to buy a sports team. They've been asked about that uh, yep. numerous times. They have uh, been approached about buying some sports teams. And, you know, it's interesting knowing just enough to be dangerous about these special purpose acquisition companies, SPACs, you know, they have pretty wide remits in terms of what they uh, can buy and they have become the merger of choice or the tool of choice when it comes to mergers and acquisitions. So interesting to see, you know, A-Rod get involved in this. Not surprising. We know his ambition. We know um, that A-Rod and his fiancee, Jennifer Lopez, J-Lo, tried to buy the Mets, got beat out by Stevie Cohen. Uh, Don't sleep on A-Rod.
0: No, absolutely not. I mean, he's he's a guy like like Michael Jordan. Uh, There's there's an itch uh, there and he needs it scratched and that he's not going to come back and be a player. But Michael Jordan, uh, you know, is a part owner of an NBA franchise. And and I think this is the ultimate goal of Arod right here. I think he wants to be part owner of a major league baseball team. I think that's the, the end game for him.
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this does figure into all those other ambitions that he has. I mean, he's been active in the venture capital world. And, you know, I do think back to our conversation earlier in this week with Indomitian Su. That is one that has really stuck with me, in part because I feel like we have definitive evidence now that players, current and former, are not going to be content to just kind of shill. You know what I mean? You know, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and it came up in our conversation with Jerry Smith as well. This idea that, yeah, I mean, you can endorse some products and, you know, kind of be, uh, you know, I think about Shaquille O'Neal in the sense that like, yeah, he's putting his name on a bunch of stuff like the general insurance and all of that stuff. And at the same time, like he owns a bunch of Five Guys franchises. He was an early investor pre-IPO in Google. He owns some Krispy Kremes. You know, these guys are serious business people.
0: You know, years ago, decades ago, there used to be a saying, what do you do when the cheering stops? Yeah. because And that's when a lot of the athletes started thinking about, well, what am I going to do now? When their contract runs out, when they just don't get rehired, when they just or when it's over. And I'm surprised that, that these, pl- these players make so much money these days, but it's not enough for them. I think it's just the challenge and the, and the need to succeed. I look at Tom Brady with his TB12 uh, Corporation, and he's on Instagram every single day, pushing some new product uh, for either oral consumption or for physical workout. And he's been uh, doing this for a long, long time. You know, and Damika Sue, this conversation we had with him earlier this week was just absolutely fantastic. And you know, he said, you know, all his teammates aren't just sitting around playing video games. A lot of them are thinking about what's going to happen when the cheering stops for. Them them. And, you know, A-Rod is uh, certainly a guy that uh, is at the top of the list. So,
2: Lynchy, that's all about when
0: the cheering stops. Let's turn
2: to when the cheering starts. That's when you're a kid taking the field for the first time. Well, there's an app for that. Let's turn to our conversation with Ben Sherwood. He is the founder and CEO of Mojo. Ben, really good to have you with us. So much to talk about. But let's start with, with Mojo because youth sports is familiar to, I'm guessing, every single person who is listening to this right now, either as a former participant, a current parent, a recovering parent of a <laughs> uh, of an athlete, an aspiring young athlete. Tell us about the, the genesis of this, because to start, this is a massive business opportunity.
3: Well, thanks, Jason. Thanks, Mike. You both know this journey. Uh, I was on it myself, and I'm still on it. I've got boys who are 16 and 10, And I've been coaching them for the last 12 years in four different sports, and I've had the most fun of my life out on the fields of West Los Angeles and also the New York area as I've moved back and forth for different jobs. And my wife, too. Joyful memories of wins and losses and rainstorms and snowstorms, and most of all, the pizza afterwards and the ice cream that somehow make all the the games disappear because it's always about the pizza and the ice cream. And along the way, like you... I would marvel that there had to be a better way, that I would get off of work at 5.55, rush to the field to coach a bunch of six-year-olds, have no idea what to do on the field, look at the PDF that the league had given me and could not make any sense of the X's and O's, (laughs) maybe look at YouTube and find something from the Liverpool Football Club training program that was not relevant to six-year-olds and basically be left alone on the field, staring at a bunch of six-year-olds with that terrifying look in their eyes, which is, what have you got for me, coach? And you got nothing. And so I just thought there's got to be an easier and a better way. And so that's where we came up with the idea for Mojo. We are here to help make coaching more fun for parents, playing more fun for kids, and the whole experience more magical for the family. And we've got all the tools and all the answers to basically take you on the journey from age 4 to age 14 that sweet 10 year period and give you as a parent everything you need to make this just the best years and the most memorable years which is basically what we all want just those memories that last a lifetime
0: So Ben, uh, let me ask you this do you have uh, on, this, on this app are there professional athletes on board? Are there college coaches? Or, so Who were who are the people you're drawing the expertise from?
3: Mike, what we've got on this service. It's, a, it's an app. It's basically a one-stop coach in a box, and you, you download it from the app store. We ask you a few simple questions, and boom, you're actually, we generate your first practice for you in minutes, depending on the age group, depending on the experience level of the kids, and depending upon your own level of experience. And we worked with the world's best childhood development experts, some of the world's best coaches, we worked with sort of very, very best in class so that we can give you a trusted resource. You don't have to wonder, is this right? Is this age appropriate? Is this going to be fun? It's all proven. We have hundreds of activities on the app for, for all ages from four to 14. We start with soccer. That's important. That's our first sport. And then we will scale over time to baseball and basketball and all of the big team sports and in terms of pro athletes and elite athletes in the background russell wilson from the seahawks is one of our founding partners he's an investor and we we recruited russell not because he's a star quarterback for the seahawks we recruited him because he's an assistant little league coach in san diego believe it or not here's a guy who pro football player rec- drafted in the major league baseball draft but he's an assistant little league coach in san diego and he knows the feeling standing on the third baseline or the first baseline he knows that the whole system the whole process could be so much easier for parents who coach and we've also got two soccer legends involved from the ninety nine uh... u.s. women's national team julie foudy and brandy chastain gold medal winners twice world cup champions twice again we recruited them not because they're legends of the soccer field We recruited them because they're both moms. They've both lived the journey. They've both stood on the sidelines. In fact, Foudy tells a great story about coaching the pink butterflies once when she had to step in, step in for the head coach who wasn't there, and she was terrified. And, in fact, the team lost the game. She was mortified, humiliated. And she, too, feels this need to fix what's wrong with kids' sports because 80% of the coaches, as you guys know, in this age group, 80% are moms and dads who are volunteering. And most of them, about three-quarters of them, do not actually have any experience in the sport that they're coaching. So you're basically walking out onto a field. You don't know what you're doing. We thought we could make this so much easier, stress-free, hassle-free, save you a bunch of time on the front end trying to prepare, and give you a much better experience on the field with the the
2: kids. As an aside, my favorite uh, youth team name of all time came from one of my brothers who was playing for a coach who was asked to name his team, and he looked down into the field and said, I don't know, the herd of turtles, and that actually became <laughs> their name on the schedule because that's what they looked like chasing around the soccer ball. Um, so, you know, Ben, before we got started, we were talking, you know, sort of tr- swapping notes among the three of us. You know, there's a lot of money in, in this ecosystem. So tell us about the the business model and sort of how this comes together as
3: a business and, and the pricing and whatnot. You got it. Note that naming a team is a huge <laughs> headache as you guys both know and in fact in the mojo app not only do we have great video that you can watch to kind of help you figure out the right activities these are short fun entertaining videos to show you what you're supposed to look for in a particular practice or activity how you're supposed to help the kids with each of the different steps we also have all kinds of content articles in there to answer all the questions that a parent coach and a parent's going to have for instance how do you name a team And we've got a bunch of great tips from the experts on how to name a team that the kids are going to love and that you can live with. And I think (laughs) Herd of Turtles, Herd of Turtles is perfect. (laughs) On the business model, look, we know that parents spend billions on youth sports. This is a global market that's supposed to grow to about $77.6 billion by 2026. And we know that moms and dads in this age group, four to 14, are spending a lot on everything from registration to uniforms to all kinds of coaching and and the rest what we've done with mojo is our view is that the playing field isn't very level and that youth sports is really divided up into haves and have nots as you know families from the upper quintile upper income families participate in incredible numbers something like two-thirds of the families in middle class and above are playing organized sports and only about a third of the families in the lowest court quintile, low-income families, are playing sports, which is unfair. So Mojo is free to anyone who downloads it in the App Store. So you can coach a whole season of kids soccer for free. One practice, one team. That's free. There is an upgrade for nineteen ninety nine a year. So it's still about a buck sixty a month. It's incredibly cheap, but it unlocks a bunch of additional features, additional content. You can coach more than one team and you can also have more than one practice a week. Typically for the younger ages it's really only one practice a week anyway, but in the upper ages sometimes it goes to two or three practices a week, so we we allow for that in the Mojo Plus the 1999 offer. But our view is basically Anybody who wants this should be able to use this. And then if you want to unlock some additional features, there is an upsell.
2: So, Ben, after all, this is Bloomberg. We're very interested in where the money comes from. And you know, you mentioned Russell Wilson earlier on uh, and his involvement in some professional athletes. But on the investment side as well, a roster of pretty familiar names for our audience, it sounds like.
3: Yeah, we are very fortunate that we've got an incredible group of investors and backers. They range from Tom Warner of Fenway Sports Group owners of the Red Sox and the Liverpool Football Club. He's been a, a backer and investor from the very beginning. Our lead in, our lead investor is Alpha Edison, a venture capital company here in Southern California, and our founding partner there and lead investor is Nick Grauf. And we've got also a bunch of NBA basketball investors, and we've got uh, consumer technology investors like Brian Lee, and also the founder and ex-CEO of Zillow, Spencer Raskoff. So we've got UTA Ventures, which is the talent agency out here, and WonderCo, which is Jeffrey Katzenberg's investment uh, arm. We have terrific backers, and uh, we are just getting started.
2: So, you know, it's fascinating to think about this, especially from a content and a consumption perspective, which is something you know a little bit about, uh, having you know, held some of the highest positions in media at Disney and at ABC News specifically. You produced Good Morning America. The media world has changed. Technology has changed it. How did all of that figure into the creation
3: of this app? What? I left the Walt Disney Company a couple years ago, as you mentioned, I was lucky to run ABC News uh, in New York, and then ran the Walt Disney Company's television networks uh, in Burbank for about five years. And When I left the company, my goal was to do something in green fields with technology, where I was not having to contend with some of the forces that are at work pressuring linear television networks and the broadcasting business and the cable business. And I was interested in taking everything I'd learned at the Disney channels around the world, so I was lucky to oversee Disney channels in about 110 countries, serving hundreds of millions of families with kids at young ages. And I was also co-chair of the Hulu board for about five years. I wanted to take all of those experiences and combine them in an area of tremendous personal passion, which, as we discussed earlier, is youth sports. And my my view was that, that the youth sports ages 4 to 14 is sort of this huge opportunity that is almost ignored by the sports industrial complex. Mm. And here's the reason. The big sports brands, Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, Puma, are really focused on 14 to 34 year olds. They really care about you when you get to high school, when you're an individual athlete, when you're a high performer. And the marketing, the brands, the businesses are all aimed at that individual achiever, You can do it. You can get through this. And that with our gear, our equipment, you can be like Mike. My view from the world of Disney and from those experiences is that there's this other space. If you think about kids and that kid space and that family space, there are huge, big, billion-dollar businesses around the world that cater just to kids and families. And our view was, here is this incredible stage of life when your kids still want to be with you, When you get to be out on the field with them, whether you're the coach or whether you're the parent on the sidelines, and when your life, as you mentioned earlier, can really turn into wonderful time on the field with your kids as they're growing and learning, our view was if you could create a business that becomes the trusted provider of information, content, someday consumer products, someday physical experiences for kids, The go to brand for the family on that journey from 4 to 14. There's a great opportunity there. And so I set out with a fantastic partner named Reed Schaffner, who's the co founder of the company and is a product and technology whiz. We've built an amazing team here in Southern California. And we're starting, as I mentioned, with soccer. But our plan is ultimately to build up to all the major sports so that no matter where you are, what season you are, where you are in the U.S., or even around the world you will know that Mojo is the place to turn to as that trusted resource to guide you, first as a parent coach, but ultimately as a parent of a kid to kind of help your kid have more fun and get more out of the sport and make those magical experiences. We call the company Mojo for a very specific reason. We just think it's a magical time, and we want to bring the magic back to youth sports for the 99% of families and sorry about this, Jason, the 99% of families who do not have an elite athlete, the 99% of families who do not end up with a kid going to college to play sports, the 99% of families who we think are sort of left behind a little bit by the professionalization of youth sports, we're here for them. We're here for that 10-year period when you just want to have a great time with your kids, when you want them to learn, learn habits that are going to last a lifetime, and you want to make wonderful memories.
0: Ben, I was looking that uh, youth sports have declined in the last uh, dozen years or so by from 45 to about 38 percent participation, but particularly girls. Uh, I have three daughters; they're in their 30s. I coach them in everything from softball to basketball, and I found the biggest thing that they got out of that was their self-worth and self-confidence. You know, if they could execute a pick-and-roll, or if they could just make a free throw, this whole season was successful. And I was always battling parents who thought their daughter was going to play at Tennessee or UConn. And I think this is just the perfect uh, app for, for, for people, for, for, for that, particularly girls at that particular age.
3: Well, Lynchy, the, the thing about, about youth sports, as you've noted, is that there's a definite divide between boys and girls girls drop out six times faster than boys. There's a ton of reasons, but you identified a few of them. Some of them involve uh, body image and self-image, some of them involve confidence, some of them involve lack of female coaches, lack of female role models. At Mojo, we are attacking that problem head-on. We we believe that boys and girls should get the exact same resources. We believe that there should be an equal number of male and female coaches for them and inspirations for them in our app. And we want to actually empower moms out there who may be intimidated by getting involved in youth sports to make it easier for them to coach. See about seventy five percent of the coaches in the youth sports space, four to fourteen years old, that age group, seventy five percent of the coaches are dads. And uh and there there are obvious reasons for that. But we want to help make it easier for moms to to step out on the field, make it less intimidating, organize it all for them. Lots of moms out there have played sports, know sports, and are ready to coach, but there are lots of moms who who feel like it's a lot of pressure, and we want to take the pressure out of this. We want to take the stress out of it. We want to make it easy. And another big dimension of this is just the social part of this. You mentioned that a lot of your parents, when you were coaching, were expecting their kids to go to Division I schools and play play in college. And, and I've written a, an article on the Mojo app and on the Mojo website, which is mojo.sport, it basically, the headline is "Sorry, Mom. Sorry, Dad. Your kid's not going pro." And I think that for ninety-nine point nine nine percent of the parents who get involved in youth sports at this age, they may have dreams of a college scholarship. They may have dreams of the Olympic program. But the statistics overwhelmingly indicate that your kid's not your kid's not going pro. But there are so many benefits to sports besides going pro, like. How about just making friends? How about just uh, get better grades in school? How about better scores in school? How about less likelihood of smoking cigarettes or getting into trouble? How about better jobs when you finish school? How about better wages? How about more CEOs or uh, youth athletes? So we we think there are tons of benefits to this. We think that there's a way to try to help level the playing field between haves and have-nots. and We also think there's a way to help girls girls play more sports and more moms get involved in sports, which is just good overall.
2: All right. So, Ben, I would be journalistically delinquent if I didn't uh, (laughs) ask you at least a couple questions about the broader media landscape, because, you know, here we're sitting at a time and and you referenced it, sort of what you were seeing uh, as you wrapped up your time at Disney. and, And certainly your involvement with Hulu gave you a window into the streaming versus the linear world i've gone through the cord cutting exercise personally Lynch and i were comparing previous cable bills uh before we started this what do you see happening especially when it comes to the world of sports because it has been sort of the last bastion in many ways of live programming and I know your day job now is looking at youth sports but as you think about sports more broadly at a time when the NFL is going to be negotiating uh, its media rights again h- how do you get your head around where we where we are and where we
3: go I, I get my head around it by saying I'm extremely lucky that I don't have those headaches. (laughs) 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 My my good friends are in the trenches fighting it out, and I think that um, it's a little bit of a cliche to say this, but I don't really know where this story unfolds and how this goes. I don't know how the NFL rights are going to be divvied up. I don't know uh, who the winners and losers will be. I I happen to think that I think that, that I believe in my friends at ESPN, and I believe in in I believe that ESPN has a great hand, but I also think that there are all kinds of insurgents and disruptors all around. And so, all I can say is stay tuned. Yeah. And I wish I could offer you some deeper, profound insight. I talk to those folks all the time. I know that they're battling, and I don't have any of the answers. Uh, yeah. But I, I think it's an exhilarating time, incredibly exciting time to to be in the business to be in, to be a disruptor as well. And I also look at at, at all the folks who are making the moves towards streaming. I look at the success of ESPN+, Plus and I think that, that even the big legacy businesses are making the necessary moves to be ready no matter what happens. And so I think that uh, the disruptors have some advantages, but I also think that legacy businesses have a lot of advantages too as they are making some of their adaptations to this changing world
2: let let me follow that that if i can just just briefly in this notion of of the streaming world because obviously the the pandemic did something to it feels like accelerate the the move towards streaming and even as a consumer as someone who watches it you know obviously with a very educated eye what what have you what have you made of that and sort of this this surge in in the power of of streaming, you know, I have a two and a half year old as well, and and let me tell you, we are we are deep Disney Plus uh, consumers. Um, it, it's been fascinating, I would think, to watch for you that that disruption that that you um,
3: that you alluded to. I love it, and I think no surprise that your two year old is locked into Disney Plus, mm-hmm. and there is a great example of a legacy business that pivoted a couple of years ago. And has gone all in with Bob Iger's leadership, and look where they are. Disney stock is at somewhere near two hundred dollars now, and you've got a hundred million subscribers, and you're on track to to a lot more than that. And that's that's a, a business that that had sort of Netflix had jumped out to such a big lead. Many people wondered if if anyone could ever catch up. Good question, but I just think that that those trends have accelerated. I would say in general. Jason. I think that uh, most of the trends that we saw before the pandemic have merely been accelerated tenfold or a hundredfold. So it's not like any of this was a big surprise. It's just that being locked up inside for 12 months accelerated a lot of different trends, especially as it related to consumers wanting to be able to watch when they want to watch, watch what they want to watch, and have their own choice and really be their own editors-in-chief I think as it relates to sports, fascinating. We at Mojo thought that technology would be a friend for families, and we thought, starting this company right before the pandemic, we thought that we would need to educate consumers about how great it could be to have a coach in your your pocket, and that you could have all of this on one app. The pandemic has only accelerated the adoption of technology by Mm -hmm. families, by teams, by clubs, by leagues, because of course they've faced the same challenge. And there's a lot of data that's emerged in the last few months about how teams, clubs, leagues, associations are increasingly turning to technology and that when the pandemic is over, despite the huge pent up energy to get back out on the field and have fun and play sports. The technology is going to still be there, and there are going to be lots of uses of technology to help teams and clubs and coaches do what they need to do. Most of that, I would note, is focused on the elite athlete and the high school athlete and the over-14 athlete. So most of that energy and that technology is focused on the market we talked about earlier, which is the older, more expert audience. We still feel there is this huge green field of of young families with young kids where it's not the kid who takes the app outside to practice because what six-year-old is going to leave <laughs> Disney Plus to go with an app and go kick a ball against a wall. That's not going to happen. We we just don't believe that's likely. But it's much more likely that you, Jason, with an app like Mojo, would be inclined to ask your kid to go outside when when she's ready and... Yeah kick a ball with you with an activity that we show you how to do, that we guarantee is going to be fun, and that that's one more day a week that you've got physical activity with your kid, which we think is ultimately the win for most families. Like if you, we, We've lost the battle with screen time, where the typical kid in the United States is spending more than five hours a day on a screen, and that's not including, not including school. Wow. So The typical kid is at five hours, not including school. Our view is battle lost. However, if we can give you a tool, free initially, and then with some upcharges if there are things specifically that you want, if we could give you a tool to get your kid outside one more day a week or a couple more days a week, maybe even with you, maybe even an activity that's really bonding where you have a blast and have a bunch of laughs and create memories uh, for a lifetime, we think that, that that's, that's something that a parent is going to want to use and that's something that a kid ultimately will want to use too. and ultimately. That's really the goal. You know, my, my, my son wrote a, wrote a school essay a long time ago about his memories of childhood. He's 16 now. But what made me super happy and my wife super happy was that kicking a ball with us in the backyard, throwing a ball with us in the backyard, shooting hoops in the backyard, those were all formative parts of his identity and his memory of childhood. And I think that that's, I think every parent wants a little piece of that.
0: Yeah, we never want to lose that. Uh, ben, has the mo- has the app launched yet?
3: Yeah, the app is in the app store. We've been out for two weeks and look for Mojo Sports or Mojo Sports Coaching. Uh, it'll pop right up, and as I said, free to use and really, really fun to see the feedback coming in from all over. This morning, this morning uh, I woke up. And instead of seeing the Nielsen overnight ratings, seeing the (laughs) further erosion and decline of broadcast television, I woke up to see that we had a customer in Switzerland, we had a customer in South Africa, and we had a customer in Ireland, and I think that we made $58.97. Well, there you go.
0: There you go. That will take care of the pizza and the
2: ice cream after the game. Right? <laughs> all right. Well, Ben Sherwood, really great to spend some time. We could talk to you uh, all day, but you have uh, lots to do to uh, build this company. We look forward to catching up with you and seeing how it's going, especially as you know, youth sports gets back to business in, in some way, shape, or form, uh, hopefully, as this pandemic recedes. So best of luck, and uh, thank you again.
3: Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Lynchy. Great to talk to you guys. All Thanks, right. Ben.
2: Very
0: enlightening. Enjoyed it very much. Thank you.
2: So, Lynchy, that was fascinating. I feel like that is a guy yeah. who we could have talked to all day, uh, given his experiences. And you know, a little coy about uh, you know what's going on in the media world, but gave us some hints about where he he thinks it's going. And listen, this is a media and a content company at the end of the day, Mojo is, and he clearly sees some big, as he said kind of white space greenfield uh, opportunity here and you and I know
0: it as parents there's a
2: ton of interest and can't tell a ton of
0: money in these sports well he said it's, it could be a 77 billion dollar business uh, very very shortly and uh, this thing is a what he calls it a one-stop coach in a box he's got some big investment uh, people there he's got the Fenway sports group with Tom Warner uh, who's uh, no stranger to success in the television business and the investment business and guys like Russell Wilson and Brandy Chastain and Julie Fowdy yeah so it's 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 legitimate here so if you're you know a parent of somebody said oh what is this app there's a thousand di- different apps out there he has instant credibility which is uh, when you're trying to launch something new you need credibility and he's got it
2: yeah and I and I Thought he did a really nice job of explaining to kind of, as you say, sort of who it's marketed for, you know, mm-hmm. that four to 14 you know, getting the parents engaged, maybe getting them over the hump. I mean, I remember, you know, as a kid, my mom actually did coach one of my, my soccer teams and I think she'd be the first to tell you that that app would have been very helpful if there was such a thing yeah. as an app when I was a kid. But, you know, that's a whole <laughs> different sort of time-space continuum thing that we can get into another
0: time. The first time I coached a youth of uh, my daughters, she was six years old in soccer. The other guy was knew nothing about soccer. I knew nothing. And they said, coach, let's go line up. And I didn't know how many people to put out there. <laughs> So I said, let's let the other team go out there. We're going to stare at them and psych them out. And I went one, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> so it was basically like hockey three forwards, two defensemen, and a goalie. I said, All right, let's get out there and let's go, team. And then we went, that's how I did it. So it would have you- been perfect for me. You are
2: off and running, off and running. All right. You've been listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports. We're here each and every week at the same time, plus online. While you're on our podcast feed, check out our interview from earlier in the week. And Sue caught up with us, recently won a Super Bowl, but man, that is just the beginning. He has a business empire that he is building, one of the smartest current players we have talked to when it comes to managing their own businesses and their ambition catch those mondays wednesdays and thursdays or the archive if you so choose i'm jason kelly follow me on twitter at jason kelly news
0: and i'm mike lynch i'm about to download mojo right after i finish this broadcast you can follow me at lynchewcvb you're listening to bloomberg business and sports from bloomberg radio around the world